to the Clarence Talking Dip Sauce Podcast. I'm your host, Johannes, overlooking the beautifully paved and lined parking lot that sits right outside of my apartment building because, yes, we are still not at work and I cannot wait to get back to work because I've lost my brain cells over all of this. So, with that said, today's a special episode. Today, for the first time ever on the Clarence Talking Dip Sauce Podcast, we're going to have some of our teens from St. Clarence Life Teen on to discuss various things going on today and going on in their lives just to give you a little insight into their situation. And I think that'd be a cool way to be in solidarity and get to know everybody better. So yeah, so uh, welcome to the show. Today we have Kate, Katie, and Annie on the show today. And uh, yeah, how are, you all, how are you all doing? How are things going? Are we persevering? We are. Yeah, I mean, it's it's good. It's, you know, an adjustment, but it's definitely good. Yep, I'm adjusting just like everyone else, but, you know, we're making the best of the situation at hand because that's all we can do. <laughs> right. I like how you use the word adjusting, like we still have to, like, figure out how to do this because I think the the, the, the longer this goes on, the, the, the worse I am at adjusting to this. So I, I like the word you used, adjusting. We're still adjusting. Yeah. I, I'm failing miserably at adjusting to this, but hopefully you're doing it better than me. I'm going insane. I've lost my mind, and I hope May 1st they really roll out some good timeline that I can have some hope and see the light at the end of the tunnel. I don't know what you guys think, but that, that's where I am. I'm like just trying not to get my hopes up quite yet until like May 1st actually happens, because if I get my hopes up, then I'm going to be let down. So I'm just like thinking like, okay, well, May 1st, okay, maybe I can see some friends, but I'm trying not to like get too excited about it. That's a good point. Yeah, I've probably overplayed this. <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> yeah, every I've single probably... time we like have like a meeting, you're like, May 1st, May 1st. And I'm like, <laughs> uh, hold off, you're honest. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true, though. I've pushed May 1st so hard in every one of our meetings. Like, it's going to happen. And I, I probably know better. You're right. I'm probably going to be crushed on May 1st. Yeah, it's better to expect less than hope for, the, hope for more and then end up being upset. Yeah, that's probably true. That's probably true. Speaking, you know, the, speaking of the struggle, though, like I'm, I'm very curious because I'm sure being an adult and a kid is different, obviously, because adult and kids are different. I'm trapped in the 620-square-foot apartment box uh, you guys still have, uh, you, you know, in your family's house or apartment, you know, I, the, the, I guess the reason this hasn't really hit me totally like everyone else is because like, I'm still doing my job as I would normally do it just online. So I guess I really don't know the, the gravity of this COVID-19 lockdown situation where everyone's trapped at home and like, that's all we do. Like, you know, how, how is the family dynamic? Like, how are things, how are things going for you all in your respective situations? I mean, like, I feel like, yeah, it's, it's weird. Like my younger sister, she loves having like all of us home. So she comes into my bedroom, like really early in the mornings and like wakes me up, which is not, not okay with me. I understand she's excited, but like, that's been like an adjustment, but both my parents are like, my mom's going back to work um, soon. So both my parents are still like working. So it's 
mostly, or it will be just my like sisters and I. So it's been like interesting. My family definitely has like a time of day where we can all be together and that's dinner. And then we all need our time away from each other because if we're around each other way too much, then we're just going to argue all the time. So like (laughs) some nights we push the limit a little too much and then we spend nights in our rooms. But other than that, it's like, it's fine. That's good. Yeah. Um, it's been interesting being home with my brother all the time and my mom because I'm not seeing my dad right now because he's an essential worker. He's a, a paramedic. So mm. I've just been staying at my mom's house, which is definitely an adjustment. It's weird, but it also has brought me and my mom closer. So I'm grateful for that and getting to spend some time because I was so busy before this. So it's been kind of almost interesting to like slow it down and get to spend time with my family and get to like see everyone more than just being at work and school. <laughs> That's good to know because the the next question I was going to ask is you know what are some of the positives that have that have come from being shut down in your homes with with your family and kind of not kind of literally pressing pause on life itself. Well, what are some of the positives that have come out of that? I mean, kind of what Annie said, like the same thing. Like usually during the weeks, my so my older sister's in college, so I don't really like see her except for like breaks and stuff like that. And then even then my younger sister is like always so busy during the week or I'm at work. So like recently it's been like hard to like, or like before all of this, it was hard to like all sit down and like eat dinner. But now like we've eaten dinner like every single night together. And it's just like, like we try to do it as much as possible, but like hitting like pause on life has been like made it really easy to like do dinner every single night. Yeah, I can kind of say the same thing. We've been like playing more games and like watching more movies like together. So just in general, spending more time together. That's awesome. I, I, I think that's really great that the family dynamic has been kind of forced to exist again because this is me on the outside looking in, but just in 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 my job as a youth minister and have you know planning events around your all's lives i can just totally see how like you could barely be home with your families all at the same time because everyone has a bajillion things happening at different times so it's next to impossible to be home for an extended period of time to watch movies to eat dinner just to be a family and it's really nice to see that at least for the most part from the people I've talked to, including you all is that the, the family dynamic has been almost restored in a way. And that is a really uh, refreshing thing to know is happening. I really, I really think that's a big, big, big positive that comes out of that. And that leads me to the, the next you know, thing is, is there anything you see yourself or your family carrying on after this is over? Because this really has forced people to take a look at the priorities of life and what they do with their time and how they, you know, how they use their leisure time, etc. I think, yeah. Are there any things that you see yourselves or your families carrying on after this is over? Um, I know like for me, my grandpa, we were doing like once a week, we'll like pray the rosary all together. And like, I don't know, I kind of would like to like carry that on even like probably in person, not really like over zoom just cause like, I don't know, like if, even if we could just spend like a little bit of time, like, cause I see him, but like, I don't know, having like that, like 
relationship, like just like sitting down and like all praying the rosary together. I don't know. It's like comforting. Our daily lives are just like so busy outside of this. And like when we press play again, I feel like it's going to be kind of hard to do that because like I'll have work or tennis and my sister's in college and then my mom working late and then my dad home early. So it's like, I don't know if it's going to carry on or not certain like things. Yeah, I agree. Um, I definitely would like to like, I don't know, like the family dinners or something that like i never did with my family because I was at work almost every night after school. So I didn't ever sit down to dinner except maybe some weekends with my family. So that's definitely something that I would try to incorporate more and maybe like take off a day at work or just like set aside a day a week to like sit with my family for dinner and stuff. But it's going to be difficult going back to like this or going back to normal after this. Yeah. Katie, I like the word you brought up the in-person. I'm glad, like, I think more people are realizing, and this is just my personal perspective, but I think more people are realizing the value of being in person in a group of people or with your family or because we're so connected digitally. I mean, look what we're doing right now. We're on a digital platform. We're communicating that way. And, you know, during normal time, we would still be this connected digitally, right? And so we kind of took that in-person capability for granted. And so now we realize, wow, and now I'm forced to be with people 24 hours a day. I really, you know, I think people are noticing how valuable that is and how needed it is, like how necessary it is. And one of my big hopes going forward is that we start doing more things in person as opposed to, you know, relying on digital connection or taking time away from digital connection. Because now we're like, we, we were saturated digitally before this, but now we're really saturated digitally because like everything we're doing that involves anything social requires the internet, right? Like Zoom and, and your classroom work, etc. I hope that after this is over, we will want to take a digital break and do more things in person with people because we realize the difference just being in the same room with somebody makes. There's such a huge difference. Like even though like right now we're seeing each other on video, it, it, there's just something like the vibe you pick up that you just are able to can, can communicate way better when you're in person than you are, even even if you're seeing each other digitally, it's still a way different feeling when you're in person with people. And that's my hope, is that we are less okay with staying digital and more uh, desiring in-person meetings with people. That is my huge hope out of this. I feel like you can like almost already see that happening. Like I know at least for like me, like talking to my friends, like uh, the other day, a couple of my friends and I like drove up and we all like parked our cars like six feet apart so that we were all like in one space, but like not like together. Um, and like, even just like sitting there, like we, there would be times where like we weren't saying anything, but like something about just like having them there was like different than like if we were just sitting on a zoom call, like having them there. And then even when we went to leave, they were like, I've never like wanted to like hug you guys or like say like, like just be like 
personally like connected to someone as much as like right now when like you can't do that like that's like it's like what you want you can't have and I feel like just being able to like see how much you want that now like hopefully that would bring people together after yeah I I that's I like that you brought that up like even though you were like in your cars and it really brought up this desire to have community with people because we are social creatures like we're not unless we have a supernatural call by God to be a hermit, like we're not wired by default to be alone. And so I'm glad you brought that up. Like, even though you were in your cars, you still, that still wasn't like enough, if that makes sense. Um, Yeah. I, I think that our reliance on digital platforms, especially social media is it, it, it kind of, it gives us blinders to like reality and, and what it means to, cause you know what conversations are different when they're in person and when they're behind a, a screen and the value is totally different. And I think more and more people are starting to really, really realize that. So that's my one hope out of that. Yeah. As much as I am thankful for being able to zoom and being able to FaceTime and text people constantly, cause I couldn't imagine not having that right now. Like you said, it's just not enough. Like I just want to go see people in person and I just want to go hug people and like do things that don't, that's not on something digital. But like I said, it's, it's nice to be able to have is this at least. Yeah, my family um, did a drive-by for my aunt a week ago or something like that. And it was just awesome to see all their faces. Like, even though we weren't allowed to, like, get out of our cars or, like, pull down our windows since we were so close to each other, just driving by and seeing my family all, like, supporting one person was just really, like, has been keeping me going this past week. So just that little interaction of just, like, driving by my family has helped. That's really cool. Good job on that. Uh, speaking of drive-bys, so today I, I was just kind of chilling on the couch and all of a sudden like a bunch of horns started honking and I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> and there was a line of cars driving through this parking lot and just beeping their horns. And some of them had like signs in their cars that said like, thank you, we miss you. So I don't know if it was, uh, and then there was like a car that said go Mustang. So I don't know if this was a group of teachers rolling by. Uh, you know, saying hi to their students or if this was just a community, like a neighborhood that said, you know, let's just go make people smile today or make people wonder what's going on. <laughs> but I thought that was, that was really neat. And what another hope I have is, is we realize how much people do for us. You know, we have this classification of essential workers, right? They're not essential just because they're working now they're always essential and we're always essential. Like everyone is essential by their being. And so I'm hoping that out of this comes this greater gratitude, this increase in gratitude toward the other, uh, because it's so needed right now. Goodness gracious that, you know, once, once this passes that we see, okay, wow, people have dignity. Who would have thought? And I'm not saying we don't think that now, but large parts of our, uh, everyday lives and they, they don't have that you know we, we how we treat you know the cash uh, the cashier at, at a store or how we treat the manager at a store or how we you know treat people uh, you, I mean I, I used to work retail I know exactly how people treat people it's it's very depressing and discouraging so I'm hoping that out of this we have this better sense of 
of what what it what everyone does for everybody and so yeah i'm hoping that that increases um yeah I've definitely seen that. Like my cousin is a healthcare worker and she works for the Cleveland clinic and she has been like saying how they're um, sending people to different hospitals and different locations that are having like surges and it's all volunteer. So it's just crazy to think that all these people are like putting their own lives and their families at risk just to save these people. So it's definitely been an eye opener for me. And even like, I like some older people where there's like a like shortage of like ventilators or like, they'll like give up their own for like people who are younger. And I like, that's like crazy to even think about. Like that's so like selfless to like, just be like here, like take this, give it to someone else who like needs it more. Like not to say that they need it more, but like they like, just like that selfless act is like really cool. Selfless service is huge. And it really, it kind of gives me goosebumps when I see those stories and I hear about those stories. It, it you know, that goodness that we, you know, even though humanity has fallen, we definitely know that humanity has its faults. Just seeing how good we can be, the, 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 the capability of goodness that we have is sometimes overwhelming. It gives me chills and gives me goosebumps and makes my eye leak sometimes. But um, I'm very encouraged by all that. And, 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 you know, another thing, too, that I think has come out of this, at least for people of faith especially, is it's really tested it because, you know, especially for Catholics that, that where the sacramental life is central to the faith, going to Mass, receiving the Eucharist, you know, being able to go to confession uh, and all the other sacraments, you know, weddings have been postponed and et cetera, and the way funerals are done are different now. So, the the fact that all of that has changed has definitely forced us to really take an inventory of how our faith life is. Has your faith struggled or has it grown while you were at the, during this stay at home order? Mine has definitely struggled more towards the beginning. It's like getting much better now of seeing like, okay, like now that I'm kind of settled in, even though I know that like it's changing daily, I'm like sort of starting to settle in a little bit. Um, it definitely struggled in the beginning. So I was like, this, this is horrible. Like, why is this happening right now? Like, I just want to go see my friends and like be outside and with my family and all that. But it's definitely improved a little bit, but it definitely has struggled, like not praying as often as I need to be like every day and like just being like, oh, it's okay. Like, I'll just do it tomorrow. Like stuff like that. I mean, like, I think for me, it's a, like, it's a little bit of both, like in different aspects, I think it's struggled and different aspects. I think it's grown. Like I found myself having a lot more time for prayer. So like just not having to do things like constantly and then like laying down in bed and immediately passing out, like it's helped to like kind of have that. But also like, I think it's been like a struggle not to go to like mass every week, just because like, that's what we're also like accustomed to like going to mass every week, like we're like all creatures of habit. So like having that like weekly reminder and even like we have like youth group through zoom, but like not going somewhere. It's just like different. It's not the same. Yeah. Um, mine definitely struggled in the beginning as well because I kind of felt like so hopeless and like, so that like, this is rough. Like this is awful. This is everything I ever like never wanted. But then I feel like towards like, 
getting used to it and realizing that this is just what's happening right now and that I have it good in the sense of I'm healthy, my family's healthy as of right now. And I feel like I kind of fell back on, I just need to pray and I just need to trust God and I just need to open my heart to whatever is going to happen because it is going to be okay. And in the end, we will recover. The world will recover. And it's, I don't know, I've just been trying to hold on to that and read different Bible verses and stuff to, to keep that. That's good. That's good. Yeah. For me, the, it's really opened things up for me because, you know, how often do we take going to mass and receiving the Eucharist for granted? You know, it's, it's part of what we do. We we talked about that uh, at at one of our study groups, uh, fasting from the Eucharist and taking the Eucharist more seriously. And, and, you know, that's really been something for me is okay. I can't use the excuse anymore of, oh, yeah, I went to Mass, I received the Eucharist, so I'm good. Uh, that's not an excuse. The, the Mass, the, the, the Eucharist, you know, the source and summit of our faith, it's the source and the summit. So, yeah, it's our goal, but also our starting point. So this really has addressed my personal prayer life to seek ways to improve it. You know, <clears throat> I don't, excuse me, I don't go to, or I stopped going to daily Mass uh, for a long time. And this whole thing has, you know, because I miss the Eucharist so much now and I, I realize a little more of how good it is, I've gone to daily mass, you know, I've gone, quote unquote, to daily mass again at the cathedral. Uh, and I'm hoping that's one of the big things that I continue after this is over. Okay, you know, now that I've been reminded of how important the mass is and, and how much I love the mass, that, you know, wow, I really want to go. And so I'm hoping that I carry that forward. You know, it's easy to say that when you can just go to your living room and plug your computer in and turn your TV on and boom, there's the mass. There's, you know, the whole process of getting ready and going gets added to it once things open back up. But that is my hope is to really participate in the mass more. Um, and so what what is like, you know, speaking of the faith, we, we talked about what we're doing at home and has it grown. What... Uh, how, what is for people that that aren't you know that that like to reminisce about oh in the you know back in the day, what is like what is it like being a teenager and a Catholic at the same time in the world today? I personally feel like it's really difficult because there are many um, things that people have wrong about our faith, and not as many people are religious, so there's not as many like people around us, like, especially in a school setting, it's just like something that has become like something you just don't talk about. Like, it's not something you talk about with your friends, like politics. Like it's just become one of those things like, Oh, you just don't talk about religion anymore. So I feel like it's hard to keep it in my daily life, especially like in school and like seeing that and like having friends that aren't as religious and don't believe in the same things can be difficult at the same time. Cause if I think one thing is wrong and they think the other way then like the peer pressure comes in and that is like difficult yeah and I feel like kind of what Kate said like it feels like you're like walking on like a tightrope or something if you like say one thing wrong thing you're gonna like fall off and then it's like a huge fight or like you have to like defend yourself and like I know like I've been in situations where like I've started talking to someone and like they've been like, well, why? Like, I don't like they they've said things that are wrong. And so then I have to go through and be like, well, actually, like, this is what we think or we believe about this. Like, it's not 100% what like you thought. 
And just like having to like defend that, especially like when you're the only one, like when it feels like there's a, like a lot of other people who are like all like waiting for you to like misstep or like say something like it's hard when you're like the only one sometimes. Yeah, I agree with Katie. It's hard because like Kate said, like there's not as many people who are Catholic anymore and as many people who are open about it at least. So it's hard to like when you're, when you feel alone and you feel like you are defending something that is just like who you are. Like, I don't know, for me, my religion is just who I am. And I, it's more embedded in how I treat, try to treat other people and stuff like that. So I just try to spread my faith through that more, which is, I know we're supposed to like be proud of, of being Catholic and I am, but I try more to show people God through my actions rather than telling about my religion itself. That's a good point because we are called to, you know, be good people. It's not, that's not the point of Catholicism to just be good people, but that's a huge part of what it means to be Catholic. It means to be a person that promotes the common good. So by our actions, you know, by the fruit, that's how we'll know whether or not thing, you know, people are, uh, you know, being good or being bad. So if our fruit are, are our fruits are good, people will be a, be attracted to that and it'll you'll bring them to to want to know us more and by doing that they will eventually in our conversation encounter the faith uh, you know not everyone is called to be a catholic apologist where they just run around and throw monstrances at people that's not what it means to be uh, to be catholic so yeah i can you know but i when i went to high school which was a billion years ago yeah you know, i went you know, i was in a district that's it's fairly uh, leans politically one way. So being religious was okay. Like it was very common in families and I didn't really, you know, although, you know, there were plenty of atheists or agnostics in my high school, it wasn't very, it wasn't, it was actually probably more, uh, more, I guess, quote unquote dangerous to not be any kind of person of faith than it was to be a person of faith. Whereas now what I'm hearing, it sounds like it's uh, more quote unquote dangerous to have a faith in, in, in religion uh, or, or especially Catholicism than it is not to. And, you know, I think you brought up like debates and not talking about it. I think, uh, what is your take on this? I think that the whole, you know, don't talk about religion and politics has hurt us more than it has helped us. What do you guys think about that? I mean, I think, like, not being able to, like, discuss it, like, leads to, like, people not really caring about it. Like, if you just, like, don't talk about it, then, like, no one really cares. But, like, those are important things. Like, it's important to be involved, like, religious-wise and, like, politically. So I think, like, not talking about those things, although it could lead to, like, uncomfortable, like, situations and conversations that you might not want to have, at least you're having them and at least you're discussing them. Because, like, it's part of who you are. And so if you want to, like, express how you feel either of those ways, you should be able to. Like, another aspect is just, like, being educated on the subject instead of just, like, assuming certain things. So, like, politics, oh, you just, like, assume certain things if you don't fully understand the situation. So then if you're, like, I don't know, it's, like, difficult in that aspect. Yeah, I feel like it's important to always keep those things civil, but it's important to to have them. Like it's it's not good to overreact and not listen to any whatever 
everyone else is saying and only be sharing your point. But as, as long as you can have a back and forth that is educating each other, then it is beneficial and necessary. Yeah. What are some things that people get wrong in your schools about Catholicism? I'm just curious. Like being perfect, um, mm. like not being able to make mistakes and like not being able to do certain things. So like, oh, like you don't really do this, do you? And it's like, but they have it all wrong. So like just the um, assumption that I have to be perfect in order to be Catholic. Yeah, like I had one person be like, oh, you only listen to like Catholic music. And I was like, that doesn't like really make sense. Because first of all, it's like Christian music. It's That's like the genre. But like in addition to that, it's also like, I like I'm not like a different person than you, you know, like I still listen to other music. I still like, like it, that doesn't define me completely as a person. I mean, it like affects the way I act and like the way I treat other people, but like, it's not like all I do, you know? Yeah. I feel like a lot of people associate like Catholicism or any religion, well, any Christian religion with like being Jesus freaks, quote unquote. And like, there's a way to be a quote unquote Jesus freak and not be in everyone's face about it as like the stereotypical it is like, like, yeah, I might be, but that doesn't affect you in our relationship. And if you don't want to talk about it, I'm not going to, you know, say a Bible verse with every word and, you know, constantly be pushing this on you. Obviously I will be open to having conversations about it, be open to, you know, sharing my opinion and educating, but that doesn't mean that I'm any different than you as far as how I act on a daily basis. Yeah. I think especially the, the whole perfectionism thing, which that's like when I was in high school, that was a big thing too. Like, you know, don't, you're such a hypocrite because look, obviously you did this, but you're not supposed to like, I, I think what that is, is one, I think, Part of that is is a guilty conscience, but I think also it's it's a way to to try to excuse Catholicism or not to excuse it, but like to to minimize it. Because if if everyone believed that, if if everyone believed rightly that the whole point of of going to to mass is because we're not perfect, that I think would force people to make decisions okay, wow, Catholicism is not for perfect people. Going to mass is, you know, some would say, you know, going to a, is a, you know, a hospital for sinners, basically. Uh, wow. Hmm. Now I really am forced to make a decision. Why am I not going in? You know, why am I not going to mass? Why? And it forces people to like own what they believe. And I think, you know, you know, forcing this perfectionism onto what Catholicism is, keeps people from doing that. Like, oh, if I have to be perfect to be Catholic, I'm not perfect. Sweet. I don't have to have that debate. I don't have to reason. I don't have to, I can just dismiss that entire conversation from ever happening. And I don't have to worry about it because I'm not perfect. And because Catholicism, you need to be perfect. It's illegitimate because no one's perfect. Like that's, I think how people process that. That's just my, uh, my analysis of that. And the whole Jesus freak thing, I think, um, yeah, there is a right way and a wrong way to be a Jesus freak. You know, uh, f- you know, we believe in free will. Free will is paramount, right? So you can't coerce anyone to be Catholic, number one. And number two, you also can't, uh, like, shove it in people's face. 
that they're not Catholic. Like that's what, what is that? Like, that's just not attractive attraction. Uh, people are attracted to beauty. They're not attracted to coercion. You know, the, the whole point of, of evangelization is to demonstrate the beauty of Catholicism, to demonstrate the beauty of Christ's teachings. And if you're just, you know, shoving a monstrance in someone's face, that's not, it's not a beautiful act. And so people won't be attractive to it. Which, you know, it doesn't mean that it's that Catholicism is wrong. It just means your method is wrong. And I think a lot of people forget that. And a lot of people also claim, well, if I'm going to be Catholic, I have to be this Jesus freak. Uh, and I have to be a Jesus freak in the way that shoves everything in everyone's face. Like, no, that's not how you're supposed to be a Jesus freak. You're supposed to be a Jesus freak by believing in Christ, by seeking betterment, by going to mass, participating in sacraments, and loving your neighbor. It, like, that's... That's what being a real Jesus freak is. So great points on that. And I'm not shocked that it's hard to be a Catholic today based on what I hear from you on, on a weekly basis as a youth minister, but just what I see in the world, in pop culture, it, it totally does not shock me that it's hard to be a Catholic. And I don't envy any of you because if I was in high school right now, my goodness, the struggle would be very real. So I definitely... Um, I am very inspired by your y'all's faith and being able to persevere in, in the midst of this giant ocean of challenge, for lack of a better description. Uh, what, um, what is something, this is just a random question that I just figured I'd write down just because I was like, what else should I ask? What, what is something that you wish adults would know about being a teenager in today's world? So, okay, I was just doing a psychology assignment right now. So like, I'm just like in that like frame of mind, but like the assignment I was working on, it was like talking about like anxiety um, and just how much pressure is like put on this, like, like to be perfect. Like this generation, like they feel so much pressure to be perfect. And like, I don't necessarily know where it all comes from, but, like, this pressure to, like, have the best grades, to, like, like, it's so competitive to, like, get into college, to, like, do this. Like, you want to be the best at everything. And, like, that pressure is, like, so overwhelming that it, like, takes over, like, some people's lives. So, like, I don't know. I just think, like, it's different than, like, a lot of, like, other generations have had their own pressures and different struggles and stuff like that. But, like, this generation has like this like need to be perfect. And I just feel like that's something, I don't know, like to throw out there. No, I definitely like agree 100%, like the amount of pressure that we're under. So I feel like if they knew or like they know that we're like pressured into some things and like that we have the capabilities to be the best that we can, but to also realize what comes with that pressure is anxiety and stuff like that. So like the realization that that stuff is real and that it is like happening, even though it may not be as obvious as it may be in other people that like everyone has a little bit of anxiety and stuff like that. Like, it's not just, Oh, you're diagnosed with it. Okay, cool. It's like in everyone. Yeah. I feel like parents like and adults put a lot of pressure on kids, whether it's academically or even like I don't know. I feel like some even spiritually, like pushing them to be like them. And like, I feel like 
it's it's evolving with society. Everything is, whether it's academics or spiritually, like we have to figure that out on our own without parents being so involved. And if they are just constantly pressuring us to be like them and be like their generation, then it's just going to like, like everyone has said, give anxiety and like make it worse. But so you bring up great points because I do agree with all of you because I work with teens. So it's like, I, I get this perspective and just the way you handle yourselves, I can just see it. I can see the anxiety and I can almost feel it in a weird way. And it makes me anxious, which is super scary. Like the fact that your anxiety is so great that I'm feeling it is, is really scary. Uh, what, you know, I, I heard it thrown out. I think Annie was the one who threw it out that parents and adults, uh, but Katie kind of questioned where it comes from. Where do you think, like, what, let's, let's just brainstorm here. Where do you think this, this pressure, this pressure for perfectionism comes from? I think some of it has to do with like social media and technology. Like, I think that plays into it as well because we're so connected that like, sometimes it might even be too much. Like we have so many like different things we can compare ourselves to, whether it be like physically or like academically, there's so many different things that you can like look at and like, you can like see what like the average like test score is to get into this college. And like, that was there before, like you could look it up and like, a book or something like mm-hmm. that, but like it wasn't as easily accessible as okay. I'm gonna go check and see like what my ACT ACT score should be. Yeah, I feel like a lot of it is put on by ourselves too. Like a lot of us are just perfectionists with ourselves, and it's hard to like separate like the real pressure that people are putting on you, like parents and stuff like that. And the one that you're putting on yourself, because that adds a lot more. And like Katie said, on social media, that's a huge factor and st- and like easily accept- accessible information that you can compare yourself to is, is crazy these days. What, uh, I like that you brought up external and internal pressure, like external pressure from like society and social media appearance and internal pressure from within, because I think, you know, we're human. So nothing that we're like going through now is totally new. Like people have felt like this all the time, but the, the driving factors behind it, I think, change with, with society, right? What, what made us anxious 100 years ago might not make us anxious today, or it might still make us anxious, but in a different, in a different way, you know, different, something, there might be a different trigger for that same feeling. Do you think, the, do you think it's more the external pressure that triggers the internal pressure, or do you think it's the internal pressure that reacts to the external pressure so weird way to ask that question i hope it makes sense it makes sense i feel like it depends on the person though because of their home life too like going off of oh maybe your parents are super laid back and like okay well do you the best that you can and we'll help you with whatever and then if they're not doing as well as another person then they can compare themselves to that and have that internal be the stressor or it could be the opposite way where they're not comparing themselves, themselves, but their parents are. And their parents are obviously striving for them to be their best, but also putting on the extreme amount of pressure. That's a good point. I like that. So you, the, the big thing you want adults to know is that, guess what? We are way too pressured to be perfect. Is that a correct way to phrase that, or is that overstepping? 
No, I agree. And then also like their external pressure is, is driving even more of our internal pressure. So it's making it 10 times worse because half the time we already have that pressure that we are dealing with internally. So yeah, I like what you said. What is something that you would like to know more about when it comes to uh, adulting, as it were? Like what are some things you think you would, you need to, would help know, help you. Let me rewind. What is something that you think you need to know before being put into the adult world or know more about, because I guess you can't know what you don't know. Um, I feel like, I feel like, I don't know, like, just like thinking about it, like thinking about the pressure that we feel now, like part of me like wonders, like, will that pressure continue? Like, as we like get old, like, obviously it will, like, there'll be a lot of things going on, but like, what will that different pressure feel like? Where will like the pressure come from? Cause it won't always be like the same as like ACT scores. Like that's not going to be an issue after like you get into college. So like, what are the different pressures then? Like as you get older, yeah, that's, I think that that's wise to try to, you know, figure out what the, the pressures will be to kind of prepare for them. Um, you know, I was having a conversation with, with Freddie today about, you know, he, he was looking at a, a college, he's doing the, the community college thing right now. And, you know, he's worried about his high school, high school GPA. And, and he kind of totally validated why I try to take some pressure off for you by telling you, like, if you don't see yourself using this particular subject, don't kill yourself over it because, you know, he's, he's talking about this college and he's like, he was afraid of his high school GPA because it wasn't that great. And he emailed uh, one of the advisors, you know, admissions advisors at this particular university. And they're like, oh yeah, since you're in college now, like we don't even look at SAT and high school GPA. So, and I, I'm, not, I'm not sure if every college is like that, but I will say most colleges probably weigh more heavily. Like if you're a transfer student, they weigh way more heavily what you did already in your undergrad stuff than what you did in high school. So I think one thing that I would like to, and I've, I've conveyed this, you know, I've conveyed this one thing. I would, you know, it's not the end of the world if you don't take honors, whatever, and get an A plus plus, like it's not the end of the world. It really isn't because once you get to college, whatever college that is, you know, it, you have multiple chances to you know, get it right, quote unquote, to transfer to that school you want to go to, you know, the community college thing is a smart money move if you're trying to save money or if you're trying to make up for bad grades in high school, like community college is a great way to do that. And then, you know, you, you're considered as a transfer student. And so there's a whole different set of rules. So, you know, it's not going to be you're just your SAT and your right. No, it's going to be, okay, what did you do? at that community college, what class did you take and how well did you take in them? And so he totally, based on, because he shared the email that this advisor sent, and based on what she said, I'm like, dude, take your shot. <laughs> so make sure you get the, the GPA that you need in the summer and go for it. You know, it's better to, to try and see how it goes than to never try and always wonder what would happen. And so, yeah, hopefully he gets there. We'll be praying for him. But that's one thing I'd like to convey. If you don't feel like you're going to, you need a particular subject and don't do, 
you know, and don't need to take that AP or honors class, then don't take it. It's not the end of the world. It really is not. And so that's something I think that I would love for you all and other teens to, to grasp and like trust. <laughs> I feel like the pressure to take every honors class in the book, every AP class in the book is ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous and unnecessary. Like, be kids for crying out loud because you're kids. My goodness. Enjoy this part of life because there will come a day. I guarantee this. I guarantee this. There will come a day where you look back and wish you could go back to having as little responsibility as you do now. Trust me, that day will come. But enough of me preaching at you. <laughs> but yeah, thank you all for, uh, for coming on and, and doing this podcast. I think it was a great time. And I'm sure we'll do it again. We'll get some different people on there and mix it up a little bit and talk about some, some different topics. But yeah, this was a neat little conversation. Thanks for having oh, us. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. And then, uh, yeah, I'll see you all on Sunday for our life night. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Oh, I still have to send that poll out. Whoopsie. Yep, I have to do that. I was wondering if you're going to send it because I know you said you were, but you never did. So I was just like, maybe you just decided to do something else. Yeah. I mean, that's totally plausible. Like that can totally happen because I've done that in the past, but I do have to send that poll out. I really do. All right. Well, thank you for reminding me. (laughs) I'll do everything else. So yeah, anyway, have a great night. Get outside before the sun goes down because it is gorgeous out there. Take a little lap around your neighborhood, whatever. But uh, yeah, thanks again. Thanks. Awesome. I hope you enjoyed that interview with uh, some of the teens at St. Clarence Life Team. Talking about some stuff. I looked looked to do that again uh, with some other topics and things and commentary just to give uh, people perspective uh, into what's going on in their lives and to help bridge the gap of understanding. And that's, I think, a beautiful thing to do. So I appreciate them for coming on. So with all that said, always remember to love God and love neighbor. Peace. Peace.